It is the Have an Opinion 5th episode spectacular, and what a show we have on tap for you here today. We are going to talk about the movie The Lincoln Lawyer, give our thoughts on it. Highly recommend it if you want a spoiler. Uh, Unfortunately, Abe Lincoln wasn't in it, though. Uh, We're going to talk about popular songs that we hate. We don't like them at all, and it might be a little controversial. And we're going to talk about our favorite sports announcers as well. So a jam-packed episode coming up on the 5th anniversary spectacular extravaganza of Have an Opinion. We are two episodes away from meeting the requirements for the average podcast, which only lasts seven episodes. We're two away, so we got to keep going. But this is the road to that. The 5th episode spectacular extravaganza. Have an Opinion coming up after these words from Anchor. All right, welcome to Have an Opinion, Episode 5. Thanks to Anchor for sponsoring the show. Having some mic problems this morning, but we fight on like the true professionals that we are. Nick here today with Kyle. Kyle, how's life, man? Life is spectacular because today is the fifth episode spectacular. That's beautiful. I am happy to be back He said he was going to redo it because he didn't like his answer the first time. Oh, life's not great. It's not good. It's spectacular. I think he, you know, really made up for it there. Uh, big day, big day today for us. Uh, wiffle ball tonight. Yeah. If uh, the rain holds off, we have the group that we're the friend group we're in loves a good uh, wiffle ball session. We haven't been able to do it much because of the COVIDs, but uh, today might be round number two of the year. So looking gotta, forward to it. Got to get it when you can. You have to. Always. Absolutely, it's crucial. Uh, golf, Stranded Sports Golf Association also going strong. Uh, obviously, we're a partner of the Stranded Sports uh, Podcast Network, so. We're uh, both involved in their golf league, mostly because I'm in charge of all of that. <laughs> of uh, big night last night. Kyle, you and Alec get your first top two finish of the yeah. year. You're now flirting with third place with myself and Trey, but Nick and Thomas keep running away with the thing. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like We played well. We hung with them. And it's like we secured second decently, you know, maybe by whole seven. It was, you know, we thought we were going to be clear for it. And it's like we were so happy to win, you know, to get finally above third and fourth place. But at the same time, it stinks knowing like we could have beat them had we played a couple, you know, a couple holes better. Right. But right. still, it's great been growth. A good time. It's been a good time. Oh my god. For as competitive as I am, like I'm having a really fun time with all. Of yeah, them. I thought I'd be a little more upset doing the way we've been doing, but we're getting better. We're doing what we knew we could do the whole time. It just took us a little while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it took us a little while to get going on the actual content. Oh, I forgot to make the menu comment. Oh, uh, what's been on the we menu? We have a lot on the menu, and I forgot. And we to do. Say it in the we, intro. Have, we have a we, lot on the menu. We do today. have a lot on the menu. What's it's in the- your wallet? Um, yeah, JG <laughs> Wentworth, baby, eight seven seven cash now. Someone who has a lot of cash in their wallet is our boy Mick from the Lincoln Lawyer. Mick. So this was. Uh, give a little backstory. It's based off of a novel of the same name. Let me get it up here. I had the tab open and I accidentally closed it. Yep, I did. I saw that yesterday when I was looking at it. Based off a novel and like loosely, I don't know if the case, like I don't know I if the novel. I think it's very similar. Okay. Uh, a lot of reviews said if you liked the book, you liked the movie. Like the movie. And vice versa, if you've never read the book, you'd like the movie. Uh, I can't find the book author. Uh, Michael Conley. He, it's a series oh, of yeah. books about this character. I've heard of him before. So... 
uh, Kyle, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off? Give us a little overview of the movie itself. Gotcha. Maybe uh, maybe who's in it? Maybe a director if you've got the info on you. I don't have a director, which I could find, and I'll get it in a moment. But Matthew McConaughey, uh, Marissa Tomei, who most people now would probably know from uh, she's Aunt May in the new Spider Man movies. That's what I would assume most people know her as now. But she was in a lot of stuff in the eighties and nineties. Um, also, William H. Macy's in it. The guy from Fargo, he plays like a private detective. And Shameless. Private, yeah, oh, that's right. That's how the folk might know him. Yeah, I haven't seen Shameless Directed yet. Directed by Brad Furman, by the way. Brad Furman, thank you. So, uh, the movie is basically about the Lincoln lawyer who is Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he's super smooth, super cool, which all of his character like, I'll probably like, get like into. Like all of his movies? Yeah, yeah. It's like, if you read this script and said, all right, I need an actor who can really sell this, McConaughey would be in your top three just just for the character itself, let alone whatever he's going to talk about or do. Um, but he's basically a lawyer, and he gets this case right off the bat. And I don't want to spoil too much, but basically he just, there's twists and turns. He keeps running into issues with this case and things that, you know, delve into old cases he's had. And he's, um, is he a public defender? He's not the DA. He's not the district attorney. I think attorney. he's a public defender. Okay, but he's like uh, one that you hire type thing. He's not yeah, like just the baseline yeah. guy like you get. Is that the DA, the defense attorney? No, that's district attorney. D- yeah, I think right. he's a defense attorney. Okay. I think that's what he is, but he, don't quote me on that. Yeah, and he costs a lot, but he's really good. He's like, he's like what you... When people talk about how lawyers are and how they kind of play the system and do what they can to get their people, you know, not have to deal with their crimes type thing, get them off. He's like exactly what you picture. And he's so cool about it the whole time. It's good. It's a thriller, I would say. Right. It's kind of a good overview. I wasn't sure what road you were going to take with that, but I thought that's a damn good overview. Um, So let's just go through the movie. Obviously, spoilers. uh, We'll try. Well, there's really no way to go about it without revealing too much. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to watch the movie for yourself, it's The Lincoln Lawyer. Watch it now, then come back and check us out and give our thoughts on it. It's on Netflix, um, too. We'll yeah, try it to is do... on Netflix, by the way. All movies we're going to review are on you know, Hulu or Netflix. Yeah, um, I know HBO accessible. is not as popular, so we're probably going to stray from HBO. I don't have HBO even. Um, Netflix is I do have one, two, three movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to pause for two hours, and uh, <laughs> whenever you're ready, <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, just kidding. But... Uh, right away, the intro song is beautiful. When they're like, dis- they and it doesn't. Song. It goes right into like the yep. opening credits. There's no here's some of the movie then opening. Right, it just it's just opening credits, and uh, the song's like a really good blues tune. Yeah, and uh, the guy's like, ain't no now. love because it ain't around. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. So right off the bat, I was hooked. Um, and then we, we get introduced to uh, old Mick, whose last name I never wrote down anywhere in my notes, and I can't think of it. And Mick is Matthew McConaughey. And I think his name in the movie is Michael, but everyone calls yeah, him every, Mick. I think in the book, his name might be Mickey. Uh, I'm not sure. I thought I read that, but I might be wrong, so don't quote me on that. So that's how they kind of connect yeah. it. Um, right away, uh, Matthew McConaughey, as we talked, or Mick, as we'll refer to him as for the sake of the movie, um, very cool, very smooth talking. Um a little little moment of uh, maybe some racial prejudice against the bailiff. Uh, he calls him Ricardo, and his oh, name's Ronaldo. That's right. <laughs> and he's like, "You all look the same, or something." So, uh, some maybe casual racism from <laughs> from Mick to start. Uh, his license plate also says "NT Guilty," so not guilty. Oh yeah, which is that incredible. Was... <laughs> and uh, I thought that was pretty awesome. 
Uh, but oh, yeah. it's, it's like one of the first things you see about him. Yeah. Which I'm huge for in movies. When you see a bunch of stuff about a character before the character itself. So kind of like it subtly lets you know what they're going to be like. Like you can imagine a lawyer, obviously. Yeah. But like you imagine that he has not guilty on his license plate. He's got a guy that drives him around in his Lincoln. Yeah. I had no idea going into this movie. I was like, oh, the Lincoln lawyer. Like maybe he's in Lincoln, Nebraska. Maybe there's something. He literally just drives a Lincoln. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. it. That's... I, I never even put that together till afterwards. Yeah, it's just, was, he drives a Lincoln. I was like reading about the movie to make sure I interpreted stuff right. It's like yeah. the Lincoln lawyer because he drives in a Lincoln. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, that's it's a, why. Yeah, it's a lot easier. I thought it just sounded neat or something. <laughs> the alliteration. But. No, it was really cool. Uh, so right away, we know it's a good Matthew McConaughey character. Yeah. Uh, especially if you see him in The Wolf of Wall Street where he plays that rich... I don't remember exactly his role. He plays the one rich, like, investor. Or He plays... He's like a stockbroker, that, but he's yeah, above Jordan. Yeah, it's bad because it's my favorite movie, and <laughs> I can't think of it. But yeah, and then they do the uh-huh, chest pound. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. Just full of swagger, full... Like, really macho... The macho man uh, <laughs> kind of deal. Um, and so we see him get basically pulled over by a motorcycle gang yeah trace atkins yeah trace <laughs> atkins the Mo- there's a lot brian cranston's in this too yep there's a few cameos there's, there's somebody some very, else i don't even know if you'd call them cameos because they're in more than like one scene That's true. which is interesting yeah but um i talk about that later uh so uh, at first he's representing a guy named harold before he then he goes on his way somewhere else in cali yeah to go meet the guy that he'll end up representing which we'll get to in a few minutes yeah but Harold has some really good friends, is all I'm going to say. The, his whole the motorcycle gang. gang pulls over his defense attorney. So like they can, 30 guys behind So him they can the talk about him. And I love, like, there's no way, because they're around L.A., I think. Yeah, I they're would say Cali. Cali like, right, Cali's California. packed no matter where you go, I feel like, despite me never being there. Right. And I just like how twice in this movie, he just casually pulls over his car, like, in an intersection. Yeah, just right in the middle of the in open the for bikers to pull up. Just to, just to have a chat. Yeah. Um, so that scene happens right away. Harold comes into play later in the movie. Yeah. A little they bit. Do. Basically, everyone we hear about comes into play. That's what's a so good about later, it. It's so interesting. Which is, which is good about it. Yeah. Um, Kyle, do you want to carry us through your main points following this scene? Yeah. So the beginning, and like this is kind of what happens throughout the movie. So I'll say a little about the beginning without spoiling the ending or whatever happens. But I think it's in the beginning. They get he gets a new case and you know he's talking to one of the lawyers and he sees a guy filming him and in all reality like he pays that guy to film him so the that guy's the guy, nickname is Sticks which is Sticks. a shitty nickname <laughs> and so he gets the other guy no to offense basically, to anyone nicknamed Sticks <laughs> disclaimer for all Sticks uh, he gets the guy next to him like that other lawyer he's working with to pay him extra so that they get rid of his tape like basically there's a guy filming them about to take on a big case. And it's case. a high, highly known family, right, real estate yeah. family in the area, so That's they don't want to anything it. to be leaked to the public that is going to make the family look bad. Right, and so Matthew McConaughey is like, why don't we just pay this guy now? We'll get over it. You know, that way he doesn't leak it to the papers. And then, like, in the next scene, he drives up to some, like, taco stand, sticks a stand in there. He gives him back his money, gives him back his tape, and it was all planned, like, to, you know, mess with people. And I think that's the whole thing, is, like, McConaughey manipulating not even everyone just like the environment like he just works yeah. the system constantly. he's just a very good rich defense attorney yeah and he knows how to play the angles on like everyone he works with right and it's oh 
what that, I have written here, not to cut you off, sorry, the epitome of like cool under pressure. Yeah. Like the whole time I was watching this, I'm like, that guy's just like cool. Even, even in the court scenes later on, yeah. which we'll get to. That's he's the so other thing. Collected. I, I tried to check the timestamp. You don't see him defend anyone in court until I think an hour in. Like he's he's fully but he, you know right you know what he's gonna be exactly like. like you know what he's gonna do before he gets there and then he does get in and it's like holy cow like this guy's just he's so smooth and it's what you would expect from a conahay obviously but this was really the first movie to kind of put him on the map yeah he was doing a lot of rom-coms before this right um and then after this he went like dallas buyers club wolf of wall street yeah. like he just kept you know amping it up yeah he did a lot of uh rom-coms before i watched one of them Fail- uh, failure to launch was a big notable one okay. i believe me and kayla have watched that one hi kayla i think um, i'm hi- not kissing kyle we're just talking <laughs> um but yeah so Another that disclaimer. was that was a uh i don't know where i was going with that anyway it's really good um his ex-wife is also in the movie and they have a very odd relationship that's marissa tomei yeah yeah including having sex and like being very flirty and like making offers to go out to dinner with their daughter they and drive I'm each like, other home multiple yeah they drive the she's bar. like his dd and i'm like what is this relationship it's very like cool relationship it's like, it's of like being i separated. don't love you in that way anymore but let's be friends with benefits kind yeah of. it's very odd but it makes for some interesting... It makes the character, like, that much... I to like, me, it made the character cooler. Um, well, I don't want to say cooler, because, like, oh, he's, he's he, still slamming his ex <laughs> but, but, like... he can, like, handle it, it, it all. It, like, gave him another layer, almost. It was me. nice, too, because, like, in most movies, you would almost expect he's this, like, hotshot lawyer with everything going for him, and then his life at home's terrible type thing. Yeah. So now to see that, like, oh, it's not all bad. He's got it. You know, he makes it work. It was kind of cool to see something new. At least, yeah. Yeah, as far as movies go, the same tropes get old. So, then we meet Louis Roulet. <laughs> it would have you think he was some a foreign it, person. Isn't it Louis? Louis Roulet, yeah. Yeah, it's Louis Roulet. And but he's, it's spelled... He's French, and I'm like, well, well oh, he's really? not French. Oh. I mean, the the, na- the last name's obviously like a French descent. Right, But right, I, right. I don't know why they didn't go the whole nine yards and just call him Louis instead of Louis. <laughs> just call him Louis. That would have been funny, especially um, the way he talks, so American. <laughs> and I hate this character. They did such a good job of making this guy a spoiled rich brat. Yeah. Like, he gets... McConaughey negotiates, so he gets bail. Yep. Um, then he's golfing, and it turns out he lied to him about shit. Yeah, and he's I'm golfing like, with his he's, like, leg he's, bracelet. He's not a such care in the a world. cocky little, I have money and I'm going to get out of everything, little shit. Yeah. And they do a great job of making you want to punch him in the face. Oh, yeah. And what's good, too, is, like, so he's with this client the whole movie. That's the whole thriller aspect is the ups and downs with this client. And, like, the first time you talk with him, it's almost like, I feel bad for that guy. Like, when he says he's innocent the first time, it's like, I kind of believe him. And then they go into the case more, and then they hear more, and then you hear he lied about stuff, and it's like, wow, that guy's... Like, he did a really good job of being, like, deceptive and exactly what you'd expect from that kind of character. I I can't remember the exact point, but he confesses to McConaughey that he also killed a woman, last name Renteria, I can't think of her first name. Oh, yeah. Uh, So he confesses that to him, but he insists that he didn't do this assault. I do remember that. I don't. That I don't comes, remember picking up on it, but now that, that you say that comes into play later in the flick as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this guy's such a cocky little shit. He's golfing. He's not. He doesn't care. He's lying to McConaughey about evidence. And it's a good. It's a good foil. To, it's a, that's a good literary yeah, term for yes, villains. Yes. There, a good foil to McConaughey because McConaughey knows the system perfectly, but 
that but like roulette or roulette he's like above the system because of his wealth so it's like a really good like there's a good dynamic exactly he's not just some guy who's gonna like oh i'm just gonna go kill mcconaughey because he's messing with me or whatever like he can play above him to a level and so it's like a game of wits and mcconaughey's like we're gonna do this my way because he knows how to get him out of trouble and he's like Roulet is very taken aback by that, it seems. Yeah. There's a very long shot where they're at the golf course and McConaughey is kind of yelling at him yeah. for uh, lying to him about some stuff and withholding some info from him despite him being his lawyer. Yeah. And McConaughey, like, threat. He doesn't, I don't remember the exact terms, but he kind of was like, from here on out, you're going to tell me the truth. I'm going to do things my way and he leaves the table. Yeah. He There's a very the... long shot, probably like five seconds, of just Roulet sitting at that table, kind looking. of looking a bit shocked that he was even talked to. In that, such in that, a way, yeah. And I thought that was really—I thought that was a good shot. It was. I do it's remember. It's weird how, now. like, trying to critique movies for like the last couple months now, I'm like talking in those <laughs> terms. Like, I thought the shot there was very, very proper given the alliteration that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and moving on, um, the transition. Uh, William H Macy comes in. Yep. Um, we should probably tell them we're about. It's our first movie review. You got to bear with us. Yep. Um, so Roulet says. We never really said the crime he's accused of yet either. Oh, um, yeah. So, Roulet essentially is accused of assaulting and raping a woman that he met at a bar who's a prostitute. Correct. And so, what Roulet says happened was he walked into the apartment and got hit from behind and was knocked out. Yes. And he woke up and the two neighbors, um, the prostitute's neighbors, was a gay couple and they're like kneeling down on him and telling him not to move and stuff. Right, right, right. And the cops are there, and he's really delirious, and he has blood on him, and he's like, "What happened here?" And yeah, he he's saying know. he got set up. She's yeah. saying she feared for her life, and he just showed up and was gonna rape her and assaulted her. Yeah. And Roulet also says that he only went there because he was at the bar, and this prostitute slid her address and name and price on the napkin. Right, and they had that on video. And so William H. Macy shows up because he's part of the defense team, I think? Yeah, part of the defense team. He's like a, um, not a private investigator, but like the crime unit. Like he was the guy who could go get evidence yeah. from the police or like kind of work his way in and out knowing knowing people who could like right. do favors for him right. type thing. So there's so there's that. And uh, his name is Frank in this movie. Yep, Frank. So Frank and uh, Mick, we're going to keep bouncing around what we're calling these <laughs> people. So Frank and Mick come back and uh, they're watching this DVD because they have the security tape on DVD of what happened. Mm-hmm. And Oh, but, I know where you're going. And so they never, so we see uh, Roulette, Roulette at the bar and the prostitute walks by and there's no napkin. Mm-hmm. And this is where William H. Macy's dry humor kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Yeah. Um, he, and McConaughey's like, ah, oh, he was lying. What a piece of shit. And uh, Frank just looks at him and goes, let her go pee. Hang on, hang on, let her go pee. <laughs> and so then she comes out of the bathroom on the tape and slides him the napkin. Yep. And he also calls, uh, there's a guy in a Mustang that's kind of a oh, yeah. person of interest on what might be helpful for their case. And he refers to him as Mr. Mustang. Because <laughs> oh, he drives yes, a right. Mustang. Yep, yep. So little little things like that I thought were pretty cool. Um I agree. The And so then we're then we're starting to run. Then we're starting to hit the ground running on yep. McConaughey building his case, if you want to take over from here. Yeah, so he basically it's almost where I don't I don't want to spoil too much, but it's basically where the case and like you mentioned this how the um Roulet confesses that he killed a woman previously. Yeah. And then that's also connected to a previous case because 
the the wounds on the current victim match the wounds on that woman who he says he killed long ago but somebody else went to jail for that and the whole the whole dynamic of the movie or not dynamic but like one of the key things is like the wounds were only on the right side of her face or only on left hand because he's left-handed that's it so then they're trying to find a guy who's left-handed and he realizes that the guy he sent away the first time may not have been the actual so he kind of he goes to him for help right and he like he shows him pictures of guys and he's like could this have been the guy at the bar the night when you say you were set up a very similar crime to yeah. the one roulette is being accused of and then he shows him a picture of roulette and it's that like kind of stereotypical like prison movie moment where he just stops cooperating completely gets mad at um mcconaughey for not getting him a better sentence and so you kind of know like he recognized that guy and he knows that That, that, that's the guy that should be in jail for what he did right so when you hit the mid to end of the movie you basically have (laughs) (laughs) there's another murder that's right um i don't know if i should spoil it or not the character we told him to go watch the movie okay okay frank frank gets bopped which is terrible because like frank was one of the like the like you just said the com- the comic relief yeah he was a very good character and william h macy's always good um and so there's another murder and the dynamic now at the end of the movie i keep saying that word uh is basically louis 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 <laughs> i keep louis, trying to make him foreign yeah it's louis, very Lou, it's implied that louis killed him because yes. they knew that he had murdered the other lady and he didn't want to get in trouble for it right. that's how i took it yeah that's exactly what happened. And McConaughey knows it. He just can't prove it yet. And so now he's in a situation where he has to defend this guy because, and William H. Macy like explains this out for the audience. It's kind of a nice way of them subtly doing that without basically just telling you what's happening. But it's like his current client is on trial and he knows that his current client also murdered a previous client and there's that like conflict of you can't pick and choose clients at the time you have to defend roulette so it's like mcconaughey's trying to kind of work the system and get roulette off from this current crime while knowing full well that he killed his best friend he killed someone else he's made comments about his family he he went into mcconaughey's house he broke in Stole and he his had, gun. And he stole his pistol. Out, so it's implied that he killed him with the gun that's right, legally registered under McConaughey. Right. So now, not only does McConaughey know all this and have to balance it, he also has to like evade the police. Not evade, but kind of work around that because obviously they all hate him because he's he defends like scum scumbags. Yeah, there's is what the they typical say. you're a defense attorney and I don't like you dynamic that was, from a lot of other people. Yeah, that was the only thing I don't love. About, I thought that was a little cliche. Yeah, it's because they're like, oh, you not like let all these guys out on the streets. It's like, I mean, the guys, it's his job. Yeah, you got to do not, something. Not like I've seen a ton of the defense lawyer movies, but we actually wa- we talk about Acts of Vengeance again. Oh, yeah. Act, Acts of Vengeance is not, it's a thriller. Uh, it's nothing <laughs> special, that. but the tone, the overall tone of the, your defense lawyer and I don't like you yeah. plays into that movie as well. So that's what comes to my head right away. That's right. I forgot that dude is the defense. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like, I always thought it was funny, because, like, say McConaughey was terrible, and he never got those guys off, then you would just say you're a really bad lawyer. Yeah. Like, you no, can't there's win. The, there's you know? the standard there. Yeah. Um, Brian Cranston just shows up for the hell of it when they're investigating the murder of uh, right, William Frank. H. Macy. Yep. Uh, so that's cool. He must, he must have uh, 
gone incognito and it was early early cranston days yeah, he, still while he was making meth he said not anymore he joined <laughs> the other side of the law um so that's cool he just shows up for the hell of it um so we move on from there and then we get to the trial basically yeah which and, is toward which the is end. like probably like 40 minutes almost and it's well, not continuous but it's, that's true because there's like the okay so the prosecution's gonna play this card let me call these people yeah I'm gonna the respond usual with this card kind of thing yeah the usual and court you know he's gonna get him off but i didn't expect him to get him off with like 18 minutes left in the movie such right and i had an idea of what might happen but i yeah. wasn't sure how they were gonna go about it and those last like 15 minutes are pretty good actually a lot happens yeah see i think it could have ended with the courtroom do you want me to spoil the end um we should talk about what happens in the courtroom first okay uh, you want to take it you want me to take it i'll try you can start now i want to talk about the very end of that oh okay okay i'll let you you want to talk about the uh yeah i'll chime in obviously but so basically it's just like you said they start throwing witnesses around they put uh mr mustang on the stand they put uh the woman uh it's funny mcconaughey's tells roulette he's like i'm putting you on the stand tomorrow and like the guy's like i'll be ready like he had no fear or whatever which like if mcconaughey told me i was going on the stand i'd be pretty nervous uh-huh. i feel like he'd tear me apart even if he was my lawyer he's just thorough <laughs> and, especially in this movie yes yeah especially if you know i killed his best friend and all that going into it but he handles it really well roulette handles it well mcconaughey doesn't try to sabotage him there's a little subtle thing at the end where not really subtle it's subtle what mcconaughey does but the uh prosecuting attorney gets a witness who is known to like rat out on people basically you pay him to say yeah this guy committed the crime to get the jury to find him guilty yeah it's a very like dirty thing to do in the business of you know of law and what mcconaughey does is he kind of he shuts that down like he saw it coming I forget the exact questions he asked him, but the way he asks him, the persu- not the persuasion. And I think it's important to note that McConaughey, like, I didn't expect to go this way. The trial is completely in his favor the entire time. Yeah. Like, they bring up the woman who accused, who's the accuser. Yeah, and he tears and her apart. He tears her apart. Yeah. With like, why would, you know, you know, didn't, or I don't even remember where I was going with that. But he he literally, like, rips her apart on the stand. Mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell she's full of shit yeah she's just she has a tough time explaining yeah. it without sounding he, he kind of gets her to talk in circles and yep. get frustrated as lawyers um, do implying that you know she's lying and you know why would this rich kid do this and that right and yeah she kind of plays the wrong card on it and that hurts that hurts him and so they do bring up a notorious uh, jailhouse snitch that's D- the word i'm looking mr. for mr dj corliss carlos Yep, that's it's right. A, I can't tell that's an O or an A, and I can't remember. I think it's Corliss. Yeah. And so they bring him, the prosecution brings him to the stand. They call for a delay, or they call to end it, right? Yeah, like to a go recess. Look for, yeah, they call for a recess to go find this guy. Yep. They bring him in, and he was in the cell. He's at the cell at the beginning of the movie, right? He when is. He originally meets uh, Roulet. Yeah, and so um, they- When McConaughey originally meets his client, Roulet, this guy is in the holding cell with him. Right. And so basically he's like, oh, this guy told me how he, how he beat her up and raped her and he was going to get away with it and he's going to get away with it just like he got away with the, uh, the murder of this other woman. Right. And what's a, what's a big wait a minute from that is the knife of roulette 
is found at the crime scene and was used. Right. And they say that he carries that knife because his mother was tied up and whatnot. Yeah. And so then you're like, or does he carry a knife and kill this lady? Yeah, that's <laughs> and where so people right. are like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, what's the truth? What's not the truth? Yeah. And so this is the only part where McConaughey's like not smooth in court. He's kind of like, like I don't know what to say now because. That's right. I Okay. I remember um, where, he, and that's, yeah. And the reason that is the case is because his assistant is looking for something. Yep. And is supposed to bring it to him, but she's not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he gives it back to the prosecution, and the prosecution stands up and is all gung-ho because he's basically implying that he committed more crimes. That's right. Whatnot. That's and so the lawyer is really going in on this guy, and we see uh, the judge calls for McConaughey, you know, the defense, this is your time to... Uh, you know, respond. Take it right. And in that moment, at perfect timing, uh, his assistant comes in Walks and in. hands him some clippings, and she goes, it's all here. Yep. And so then Mr. DJ Corliss is all like, oh, like, what's her number? Blah, 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 blah. It's a nice <laughs> assistant you got there. <laughs> and so McConaughey walks up and brings forward something from 1987. Yep. And the guy's like, oh, I don't remember. It was 1987, blah, 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 where he's implied that maybe he snitched yeah he's done this before yeah. which obviously and then he, he goes has. okay maybe remember 1997 this movie's from 2011 so obviously that's a f- little over a decade right but, workable you know workable to remember something from then mm-hmm. when it was found out that was it the guy from the case in the 80s i can't remember they did it, dna testing later on it might be or it might have been another ca- i can't remember this is when i was uh fading a bit um <laughs> Not from the boredom. The movie's great, but I was just tired. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, I watched it later last night. Um, so then it turns out that there was a rape. Uh, there was a rape. I think it was a rape and assault similar to this one. Yes. And uh, this guy, Mr. DJ Corliss, I keep calling him Mr. Like he's a distinguished <laughs> man. I, I watched the court too long and they keep calling everybody Mr. <laughs> uh, basically testified that he heard this guy in the jail cell talking about how he had raped the woman and blah, 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 and the guy went to prison for it. However, DNA came out later and showed that the accuser that went to jail for the rape didn't do it. Was innocent, yeah. Was innocent. Correct. And so McConaughey's like, oh, is it, did you ever get prosecuted for lying in the court of law for this? And he's like, uh, 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 no. Yeah, that's (laughs) when it's over. And he's like, and how many times have you done this? And he gets really defensive about it. Yep. And so that's basically it. Uh, court ends and McConaughey walks up to Louis Roulet and he's like, they're going to the judge or they're going to the DA right now. They're going to drop all charges. If not, it's going to be switched to where the judge makes a direct ruling and the jury doesn't. And he's going to say you're not guilty. Right, right. And so... Then it turns out they're dropping, they're dismissing all the charges. Woohoo. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and so the rich mother um, walks up to McConaughey and is like, oh, please, let, let us take you out for dinner. Yeah, right. And they're he's all so like, happy. And we see Brian Cranston in the FBI, the investigators in the walking up behind him, and he goes, I don't think so. Yeah. And he walks away, and then they arrest uh, Louis Roulet for the murder of that woman earlier. Right. And then that guy he went he sent to prison falsely, who's played by Michael Pena. I should have said that earlier. People would know him. He's in a lot of new stuff. Right. He gets to go free. Yeah, basically. he gets to go free because he got stuck with it. So because McConaughey wanted to make it right. I forget yeah. what the quote was, but it was something like, "The hardest person to defend is an innocent man." Right. Because if if you don't 
if you don't do right by them, you'll regret it forever. Because he right. sent an innocent guy to jail for his life, basically. Yeah. And so the family immediately gets mad. Uh, yeah. We find out that they didn't have enough to charge Roulet for the murder of this other woman yet. Yeah. And so McConaughey calls his one buddy who he had previously accused of, you know, some pretty treacherous things that would have gone against him. He was... Yeah, that guy. Early, like a sidekick almost. Yeah, like a sidekick <laughs> almost that he implied helped the Roulet guy. He implied that he helped Roulet with like the murder of... Uh, yeah AC, right he has to put on he's the guy who has to put on the um ankle bracelet yeah, the ankle bracelet and so the only person who could have taken that off for relay to go kill because Macy, he wasn't tracked when he did it right so he implies that he helped him take off the ankle bracelet to, to go, go kill, kill william h mason exactly and so we keep bouncing back and forth yeah it's what a, we're calling these people. there's a lot of characters too i and, remember uh, more so he calls him up again and is like hey where's this guy going and he's like, oh, he's going to your house. And McConaughey's in the car. And McConaughey's like, no, he's not going to my house. Right. And it turns out he's going to his family's house. He went and put his ex-wife and daughter with their, with her sister. Yeah. And McConaughey's sitting on the porch when Mr. Roulet shows up. Yep. And, and he's got his gun. He's got his gun because his driver got the gun. Yeah. He got him a gun. And we should also note that uh, Roulet, as he's getting arrested, talks to McConaughey and it's like, what are they going to say when they, you know, found out your gun was my murder weapon or something? And he goes, well, then you're going to have to tell them where you got it, buddy. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> basically implying that he was breaking an entry, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. And so smooth. that another was a smooth, smooth one. Another smooth scene from Maddie. <laughs> and uh, so McConaughey has his gun back because his driver found it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, blah, 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 blah. You know, he trash talks him essentially i can't remember it verbatim right um the Yeesh. trash talks him and relays like oh well what's gonna stop me from coming back tomorrow or this day or that day and would you wouldn't you know the biker gang from the beginning show and i thought at the time this was the last callback to them but it wasn't uh, <laughs> no there's there's another one um, and they come up and they beat the crap out of this dude and he says the beautiful thing uh oh i, I don't want to get the quote wrong I know of it. It's I, like bruises, not body bags or something while they're beating Or like up. hospital, not yeah, hosp- morgue or hospital, something. Hospital, not morgue or something as they're beating the crap out <laughs> of this guy. they got like baseball bats and going like, at this guy. They're smashing his BMW and McConaughey just walks away and it's really oh, cool. That is good. Um, so McConaughey gets home and also we should mention that uh, it is a realtor family, so that's how they know how to get into houses, I guess. And that they're so that's they the magically exp- can break into houses yeah, because the movie, they're realtors. Yeah, they kind of write that um, out. as just a hidden talent. I, yeah, I like I, to think they do Danny Phantom shit and just disappear. <laughs> they go invisible and just walk through the wall and then form back. Um, so McConaughey gets home, and his uh, Roulet's mother is there with McConaughey's pistol. With McConaughey's. Was it with McConaughey's pistol? I think so. It but was, he it was has his to... own gun still. That's the gun he got. Oh, yeah, that's the gun. He might have another gun. It's like an old school twenty two. I forget yeah. the name, but when she... When she sh- when it shows it in her hand, you would recognize it as like that old school, like Luger or Walther type twenty two. Um, But so from there, you basically learn that it was the mom that killed Frank. Yeah, she says, I killed Frank. Right, That so Roulet didn't beat the scanner or anything. Roulet didn't kill Frank, but it's still very implied that he had killed the other woman. Right, and he was probably a part of Frank's dying. Yeah, and he was probably vital in that orchestration. Because Frank found something that was going to help seal the the case. Yeah. Right. And so then she shoots McConaughey, McConaughey shoots her, 
And it kind of fades around as he drifts into unconsciousness. He calls nine one one and goes calls nine one one. Um, then we move on and from there. More. He gets out of the hospital. <laughs> this is on the last like fifteen minutes. That's the whole why I said it's a little thing. much. But yeah, uh, it, it all happens, and then he gets out of the hospital. Um, apparently, I don't know if she's dead or what. Yeah, she's. Uh, it's assumed she's. Probably I think it's dead. assumed she's dead. Yeah. Uh, McConaughey's not going to go to trial though, so they must have bought all the story of what happened. Yeah, self-defense, So I apparently, self-defense, they believed, and uh, probably they agreed for some reason that she was the murder. It made sense that she would murder Frank, so everyone, right. I think, is disclosed. Yep. Um, McConaughey's riding home. Um, I can't remember <laughs> exactly which happens first, but basically, uh, Roulet at the beginning of the movie, when he's talking to McConaughey, says, I have nothing but parking tickets on my record. Um, Correct. Actually, uh, this is before he even gets shot, I think this is. Is this established before he gets shot? It's basically, it's what Frank found out. Yeah. I don't know when Frank McConaughey found, learns Frank this. Frank found out that uh, there was a parking ticket for Roulet in front of the address of where this woman lived, that he's accused of murdering. All those years ago. Yeah, all those years McConaughey ago. McConaughey defended the wrong guy yeah, and got him sent yeah, to jail. Yeah, from that murder. So yeah. that puts him at her apartment. The and night that's of the, the evidence they really need to have to go push him forward. Exactly. And it's all going to be on the DA's desk in the morning, so they're going to go arrest this smug little shit again. Right. And so McConaughey's driving home. Everything's good to go. Woo-hoo, yippee. But wait. But wait. Another callback. Biker gang pulls him over. Trace Adkins on his hog. Trace Adkins. They pull him over. Their one guy got busted for meth. I the, think, same yeah, the same guy. It's the same guy, guy got busted for meth. Drove up on and him. And they say they think they deserve a discount from what they normally pay McConaughey because of the help they gave him early, like 10 minutes ago. And yep. McConaughey say, McConaughey goes, this time it's for free or something. And that's how yeah. the movie ends. Oh, and the best what, part. I, I know that was a little rough, but there are a lot of working pieces as it was a lawyer movie. So hopefully you yeah. kind of get the gist. We'll get better too. Yeah, we'll get better. We're not going to pretend that was perfect, but there are a lot of moving pieces, especially towards yes. the end there and a lot of callbacks. Yeah, that's why I like it so much. Every every character you ran into of some merit. There's even a girl in the very beginning of the movie where you're just learning his character that he gets out of jail time for like cocaine abuse. Yeah. And she comes in later on when he needs to find somebody to go up against Roulette, like another right. witness or something. Like there's so many people uh intricately involved. And I think that's yeah. why it's so good, because you don't know what's going to happen next. It's not your stereotypical, Right. I here's think what happens. There weren't many you know. big twists, but I think it was a good movie. Yeah, there was just good... enough to keep it interesting and be like, oh, I kind of want to see what happens um, now. Overall, overall, what would you, what did, I know this has been a long segment. What would you... What would I do? What would you like? Overall, what were some things you liked, what didn't you like? So, For example, I'll, I'll go gotcha. give you kind of an idea, not to cut you off. I liked the music for the sense that there was no music when there was important dialogue, really. That is a good trope. And flashbacks, there was some like lighter music and stuff, but yep. the vast majority of the main dialogue in the present, there was no music to go along with it that really made you focus on the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And the music was good when it was there. Yep. Um, another thing I liked was just the transitions as well when they're doing flashbacks, especially when uh, William yeah. H. Macy and McConaughey are watching the tape. They're like in present day, and there's one shot where it like pans down to the coffee table, and then it goes into the ceiling of the bar. Yeah, and they're like, that was a really cool shot. So I thought the cinematography was pretty good. Um, I thought it had something else major down there, maybe not. 
but overall i thought i thought it was really good i thought the presentation was fantastic in terms of like camera shots and stuff really telling the story like the one at the golf course i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. um just a good i don't think it was like a really revolutionary flick but just a good movie everyone was important yeah and let's do movies out of five stars out of five five stars okay I'd, i'd give it four I'd go three and a half or four. I'd say four. I'd say four stars go for four? the Lincoln Lawyer. If you want to say overall big things, go ahead yeah. while I write that down. Yeah. Um, so I said it earlier, just the way he epitomizes being cool. And maybe because I'm such a big like Tarantino fan, like the thing so many people say about Tarantino movies is like, wow, those characters are just cool. Like all like how quotable is Pulp Fiction? And like when Samuel L. Jackson says something or when John Travolta says something, it's like, man, those guys are cool. And like we can all quote those movies and like try to feel cool, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's just it's it's a I don't want to keep saying cool, but like that's <laughs> that's a good it is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a good character trait when they are cool and they're so easy to watch. And I think McConaughey knocks it out of the park in this movie. And like I said earlier, it was just an intro of what he would slowly become. I think with the ending and once people watch and see, and I'm sure the way we explained it seemed a little convoluted. It could have right. ended earlier. It could have, and then they, but they just they wrapped up every single. But they character. made everything wrap up, and they made all the minuscule details come together, which I liked. It was very compact in the way they right. did it. There was no like everything mattered to me in that movie. Yeah, there was no like, well, what happened to him or his mom? Because his mom did play a bigger role. She ended up right. testifying in in the one right. scene. So to have her to have closure to her character too. Uh, I can appreciate Apparently, it. there's four books because this is based off a book. And this was the first one. Oh, I really okay. want to read the other three. Because I think be a there's a read. lot of ways to go. Like, especially the, the him and his ex-wife. Like, I feel like they get back together. They have to. For some reason. Something has to happen there. But yeah. So a four from me and a three and a half or four from Kyle. Our first movie review on the podcast. Yeah. And, and obviously, as we said, it wasn't perfect. But there's a lot of moving parts. We're going to get better at it. And hopefully, we explained it in a decent enough way to where you could follow along and maybe... Yeah. Uh, wet your palate a bit. See if you wanted to dip into that movie. And uh, we're going to try to do movies that are popular enough you've heard of, but you probably haven't seen. So like, right. maybe not Pulp Fiction, another example, because like, everyone's heard of it, everyone's seen it. But we're not going to dig into you know, yeah. French movies that you've never heard of either. Right. We'll do something you can watch exactly. and enjoy. Exactly. Speaking of enjoying, let's move on to sports. I love After it. After that 40-minute <laughs> yeah. movie segment. That was a long this one. This is going to be an hour-plus podcast. Um. So, sports, we're going to talk about our favorite announcers. Um, This obviously probably won't be a super long segment. Obviously, the movie there is the meat of the episode. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah, we're going to talk about our favorite sports announcers, and I'll get this one out of the way because it's going to be both of us. Pittsburgh Pirates play-by-play man Greg Brown. Greg Brown. Easily my favorite announcer. Let's let's talk about him. He, energy. And I know we're going to say that for all these guys. Like, wow, they have such good energy. But, like, to be able... To captivate a listener while you're watching the best people play a sport. I'm not not saying the Pirates are the best baseball players, but you know what I'm saying. Like The best people on earth are playing a certain sport, and that's what you're watching. And there's a guy just talking. You don't see him. And just hearing his voice is enough to, like, move you. Right. I think that's powerful. Like, when somebody hits a home run, it's like, oh, that's awesome. He hit a home run. And then you hear his crazy reaction, and it it gives you goosebumps. I think that's powerful if you can do that. Every, and again, if you're... If you're not a Pirates fan, you're not going to care. But every big moment from that three-year run they had where they were making the playoffs is enhanced because he was there. There's the play where they clinch their first playoff berth in 2013. They're playing the Cubs. 
Right. It goes into the outfield. I think uh, Marlon Bird or Mc- I think it's Marlon. It's whoever's in right field. I think it might be Bird it or would McCutcheon. Be Bird. But they were both converging over there to yep. play because it's in like right center. Mm-hmm. One of them misses the ball, picks it up. Sheerholtz is running home, trying to score. It's going to tie the game. Uh, yeah. Balls he hoed to the plate. They tag him <laughs> out. And Greg Brown's calls fantastic. He's like the Buckos win their 90th. Oh, I, you yeah. know it's beautiful. Yeah. I think he, of that series against the Cardinals. That's the one I think where they of. had walk offs on like three of the four, two of the three nights in yeah. that series. I mean, uh, McCutcheon hits the home run and the 14th inning to beat him. And yep. he's like, call it the best ever at PNC Park. And obviously, I'm like talking monotone, but. Yeah, he's like, you oh, can't... the Buckos win there, you know, oh. call it the best ever in PNC mm-hmm. history, blah, blah, blah. Um, very next night on Sunday. That's right. They're on headed. Sunday night baseball. Yep. I think Polanco gets the hit. And it was a base single. And it was a single to win the game. And his, like, and his he voice goes, cracks. This place is a mob scene. Yeah. And he goes, they did it again. And it's like, oh my God. Like, I have goosebumps right now thinking about oh my listening to those calls. Like, to hear his voice dip, like he's that excited that he'll yes. just scream. He's not worried about right. how he sounds, and per se. And obviously, he's not a national announcer. So, like, they're the announcers for the team. So, there's a little bit of bias. Sure. That dude, to me, is like the fan in all of us. Exactly. Like, and I think that's why people love him. my team has 20 losing seasons and right. they're winning and going to go to the playoffs for the first time, mm-hmm. I would be screaming like that too if I was in his yeah. situation. And he conveys that when he announces. Yeah. And that's what makes him so good. I think so too. Well, and you can tell he loves the team. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when they do good, he's happy because I'm sure he's not happy seeing them lose every night either. Right. Like it's the same scenario and for that's, him. And that's the cool thing about baseball because like those announce they're allowed to be like crit- they don't work for the team they work for the network you know right. and they're allowed to be critical yeah i think of uh tom hamilton from the indians okay um i like tom hamilton um i think he i'm not gonna crap on i i think baseball is hard to keep interesting a whole game especially yeah. if it's like a crappy game so i'm not gonna like knock a blowout at times i think that broadcasts are a little dull but he has a great voice and when there is a lot going on he's really good i love tom hamilton yeah i remember going to my grandpa's in the summers because i wasn't allowed to be alone when i was seven and <laughs> eight and nine and ten in the summer um and there would be the indians replay from the night before and yep. i would watch the indians games and like i so i grew up listening to him too yeah um because he didn't he's get good. uh whatever the hell the pirates network was called at the time because it changes its name every other year root sports uh, no this was when it was probably like oh, fsn pittsburgh or something. oh geez um but he's really good and i remember like when the indians were in that winning streak and it yeah, had just started and they run. were like he's like you know th- there's a really special feeling right now and it's good when they pick up on that too you know yeah they can read the energy because yeah. they're fans i feel like a lot of the good ones are like they make you feel like it's the fan embodied in them yeah they're like the perfect fan and they know all the stats yeah so they can talk at will about right. it right it's like where we all want to be yeah if you followed yeah. them as much as you could maybe you one know? day i'll be there yeah i hope one day that two kids in a podcast 15 people listen to are in a basement talking about how i'm their favorite announcer oh man but i can dream um so enough from uh, maybe a very niche audience guy. We're going to move on. To, uh, I'm going to move on to a bigger one. I'm not sure if you know. I was going to say. I've got a couple, so you go. I was going to say Tony Romo. Oh, I forgot Tony because, Romo. He's so now, good. Tony Romo's not play by play. He's color because you know, right. color is usually a guy that played that can add some more insight. Exactly, exactly. And unlike a lot of color commentators, 
I literally feel smarter watching Tony Romo predict yeah. plays. Well, he's young. That's what's so good. Yeah. He just played. And people might not. People are like, I don't like that he says what's gonna happen. You're gonna see it in three seconds anyway. So what's the big? What's the big deal? Because they're gonna throw it to this guy on a you know post route. Yeah, and like, isn't it amazing defense, that he yeah. can call he that just that. by look? And he knows that. Yeah. And you think Tony Romo was a good quarterback? I think a lot of people were upset that he never. I think there was. You know, there's some scrutiny there that he never, you know, got him anywhere super deep. Right, and with a better team, yeah. who knows? Because he, like, he had smart. some good talent too, but there's a lot of criticism. Though he wasn't good and stuff. So yeah. a good but not great quarterback knows that this is going to happen. Right, he can see the. Patriots. So imagine what like Tom Brady would offer exactly. if he was in there. Exactly. You know, so I mean, it's really awesome. Like, because every good quarterback probably has that level of knowledge, and yeah. it's really interesting to me to a guy that has been retired super long. No. is in that bo- broadcast booth knowing the game so well and like sharing it and I think it's awesome that he's like oh this guy is showing blitz but he's actually going to drop back here and cover the middle and he's going to be right in position to cover their top guy right because he's going to do that I'm like oh my god and that's well, what like, happens and like we can watch the game and be like okay yeah they're probably going to blitz or oh this looks like a run or whatever but then like you just said he'll give you something little like oh see him you know he's leaning back he might start backpedaling like yeah you know what you think's going to happen then he gives you an alternative like hey the quarterback just set this guy in motion watch number so-and-so and it's like you know, guy goes in motion so-and-so yeah. runs and it's like it's just dead on all right it's super interesting so uh give us your uh, I don't know how many you have I have three I had Greg Brown. I put uh, Michael McHenry. I don't know if he's gonna ever do commentary, uh-huh. but I like Michael McHenry. Yeah, I just he's on the Stranded Sports podcast. You want to take a listen? That was the other <laughs> thing. I was gonna I was gonna plug the interview you guys did with him. His um same with what we just said about uh, Tony Romo. It, just his knowledge of the game. Right. And I maybe heard it a little more when you guys did the uh, the interview with him, just because baseball hasn't been on in forever. Just the way he talks about the game, the way he understands. Oh, he loves it. the game, and he's a catcher, which is like the perfect right. You mind. see everything exactly. from the catcher's perspective. Right, they know everything going on. So, I just like I like his opinion. I'm glad they brought him on the I like broadcast team. Oh, we all have opinions. Um, so for base or for football, my three that I picked, and these are the the only three I had besides Greg Brown, Al Michaels, who I, I really like. Al Michaels. And then for college, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. I think they're like the best duo right. in college. Um, it, the energy. Yeah, Gus Johnson's Gus, great. Yeah. Joel Klatt also is one of those color guys that I just feel like I am getting so much knowledge. I love watching him uh, on Colin Coward's show. He interviews him a oh, lot. Oh, he's so smart. Yeah, the things he talks about, like, like the I way he... I think I know shit. Yeah. And then one of these guys, like, and you think they're focusing on one sport where I'm trying to focus on everything equally. Right, right. But like... They know everything. Yeah, it's scary. They're they like, know the well, stats. They the got names. a they got a cornerback that's going to go in the first round, but a lot of people don't know that the guy behind him, number two on the depth chart, was the number one was Mister Football in Idaho, and yeah. he's he's five eleven, which is going to give him some good height to cover the top receivers in the Big Ten. And you know, he if if this guy got if this guy gets drafted, this guy's going to come <laughs> in, and he's just gonna he's probably gonna, he has a lockdown percentage of ninety five percent when they throw the ball towards his end of the field. That ball is incomplete. I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah, and, and then he. You- watch like the game off and i'm like that's insane yeah and then, and then it happens the next day and it's 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 cool to me how you can just be that on right with knowing things before they happen well that's like my buddy at the that's like a researcher for the mlb he yeah. talks about guys that are like on the shows mm-hmm. and he's like 
they'll be having a discussion on who should have won like the 1973 MVP <laughs> voting, and they know all of the like runners' stat. Like everybody they have, that was like, considered, they know all of their stats. Yeah, it's not just like a hearsay. And he's like on TV, like yeah, I feed them some stats, and like because he finds the stats that they talk about right, sometimes. He's like, I'll like tell them stats in their ear and stuff. But he's like, a lot of it they just know off the top of their head. He's like, if you think you know anything about the game, like you don't, because That's... these guys are literally like a glossary, uh, like. Uh, encyclopedia better than glossary we're not right. looking up words <laughs> right. um you know of just information and i'm like that's insane because like that's what i want to do and that's so intimidating yeah well i think those are the best ones who know all those things yeah. and bring that energy al michaels i mean he's been doing it forever yeah and he's just got such good energy i'm i'm hit or miss on collinsworth i like him i, I like his old school yeah. take to the game right he's right. like romo but he knows a lot more of the broad picture yeah. of what's going on so yeah. He brings good takes like that. I uh, Matt Vaskersen, I like. Who's he for? TBS Baseball. Oh, okay, a lot of okay. Playoff games he does, and I think he does MLB Network too. Gotcha. Matt Vaskersen, he does uh, MLB The Show commentary as well. Oh, so I probably heard him. Um, I just don't know yeah, the name. I like Matt Vaskersen. He's very exciting to listen to. Um, that sounds really boring compared to how we rambled on about these. <laughs> other, but yeah, like, he's he a good just brings. It's like excitement's <laughs> my main thing. Storytelling and excitement. Yeah. Are like the two things I look for. I agree. Um, what's the one, dude? Um, oh, I almost, Joe Buck? I almost said no, Bob Seger. Uh, yeah, I love Bob Seger. <laughs> What's we'll the one guy? Bob Costas. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a for golf. There was a clip from the Last Dance that went out of Bob Costas talking about the impact of the '97, '98, yeah, uh, finals, and he just goes like he uses words I never even heard of, just talking <laughs> about you know like the jubilation of Michael Jordan, but could it be the last time we ever see him in an NBA uniform? We don't know. But if it was, you know, yeah. what a time it was to go out with a team like the Jazz, with Malone and Stockton on the as the opposite. He has a good and like, I'm like, narration. It's this beautiful, like, it's like highlights. It's like very slow motion, like clips and highlights playing. Yeah. And he's narrating, like, this might have been the last time we see Michael Jordan. What a way it was to go. I'm like, that's incredible. I think that's another way to rank these guys is, like, what do they do in, like, the biggest moments? Right. Because, like, there's that one, and, like, I'm hit or miss on Joe Buck. I know some people love him, some people hate him. There's that one scene where, like, the guy's, like, barreling down the field in football and dodging tackles, and he just goes, Mitchell! <laughs> yeah, he- Mitchell! Like, he, that's all he's saying, and it's like, oh, man, come on, you ruined the yeah. great moment. Yeah. And so, like, I think if they can, when they step up to, like, the biggest moments and go off, that's when you know it's like, wow, these guys have talent. And all the guys we've said do exactly that. But... Yeah, I think Clatt and Johnson are are gonna be around in college for a long time. Just that Gus Johnson's super animated, and Joel Clatt is just right there with him, and he knows all the stats to back it up. So, right. those would be my picks. Right. Um. So yeah, announcers obviously we love them. They make the game good they, or bad. Am that's I? Just an it. announcer can't ruin the broadcast, in my opinion. Oh, who's the one? One guy? day you'll say that about me. <laughs> uh, college basketball. I forget his name, but we should. Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale. You get, there's some of them you just have to like mention. He's really good, too. Um, I don't know if we have time for instant opinion. I had one for you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right, go just because this, profe- you know, this is your field. Yeah. Uh, would you rather be play-by-play or colored? I'd never get hired as color. Okay, so you, oh, that's true. Color you're is it's ba- the, basically exclusive, you know, former player. For and I'm not like player. trying to knock on your question like, no, jump but on it, but I Michael McHenry told us. Yeah, too. I completely but, overlooked it. Um, the thing with I must we just touched feet. Sorry, <laughs> um, I need to stretch those legs out. It's been a long episode. 
Um, I'd like to be color, but I don't know the game. And, like, I wouldn't get hired because they'd go, oh, like, what was the highest level sports played? And I'd be like, well, I got cancer in eighth grade, and so eighth grade's where I stopped, Word, but I played cap. casually, like, with my friends after that. They'd say get lost. I see. Play-by-play, play, though, like, if you can tell the story and you know enough, do you'll that. you'll get some kind of work. What uh, what sport would you do as my follow-up? So you do play-by-play, play, and then what sport, if you do any I've, sport? I've done football, and I've done hockey. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done basketball, but I think I would do very well with basketball with my signature phrase, and he dunks it. And, and he uh, dunks it. Hockey's I, – I don't want to do ho- – I if, I would be honored to do hockey, but that's the toughest one. That is – okay. That's a, 100% the toughest one. I knew you knew more hockey, about it than you me. you need so. to know everyone's number and name Okay. without looking because hockey uh, moves so fast. That's a good point. You can't be it's like, the speed. You can't be like, Crosby gets the puck and he passes it to number 71. That's uh, oh, yeah. Malkin. It's already Because Malkin gone. already passed it to t- the, another. Yeah. Malkin already passed it to Rust and Rust already gave it back to Latang. <laughs> You know, and so, Malkin's off the ice now. And you know? <laughs> Malkin's off the ice. You have to, and it just moves so point. fast. It I, moves I forget so that. fast. There, football's nice. Yeah, football, football. I could feel myself getting better at. I did like five RMU games, and okay. I felt myself getting better because I, I like football. As, as, as you know, the team, you know stuff to talk about in between plays, right? And stuff. So game one, you're like, oh, the, the quarterback play went here and it's from here yeah but then game four you're like and here's i'm not i don't want to say any of their names just for the just for the hell of it sure, because sure. no one, i'm like so you know you're like the quarterback smith you know last week he had two interceptions but he had a really important touchdown on their you know final drive right, of the game you can bring in new stuff. against the number two defense in the conference okay and you know, yeah, I think because then there's storylines be. you can build. That's yeah. before, and this is like me giving insight now. This is like me being interviewed almost. Yeah, see, there's I it'd be something I do before every game. Yep. I look at comp because you know mostly college football is conference games. Yeah, yeah. I look for I look at conference rankings. I look at player rankings, and then I go in and look at each team. Okay. And so what I do is I circle. I write down like three storylines to follow. Uh, for okay. example, I think I did like the first game. At RMU, okay, and they had played one game against Buffalo, but Buffalo's FBS, not FCS. Right. I might have gotten that mixed up. Right, I know what but, you're saying. Um, so we didn't expect them to beat Buffalo, so they came home and played another game. Uh, RMU did. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, the Buffalo game's in it. You know, a big, you know, what's the word? Feather in your cap? No, I'm. It's Sorry. not a good sample because that that's not the kind oh, of team they're going to be saying. playing all year because Buffalo is better than the competition in RMU's level of D1. Right. So I go, okay, let's talk about this. How's the RMU? But RMU's defense also only gave up 35 points to Buffalo, okay. and they gave up like over 40 a game last season in conference play. Oh, uh, okay. So I sat down and I said, okay, here's something I'm going to look at. And I go, RMU's defense, did Buffalo let off the gas or are they better this year? And so we followed the defense that whole game. Oh. Like we were, we also have a website where our, all the stats are like updated live right. in time and we know the website. So we're on that and refreshing. Oh, okay. So we followed that. There's a quarterback from RMU that transferred from LSU. He was a backup, obviously. Right. <laughs> he wasn't starting and transferred to RMU. It was Joe Burrow. And he was the second stringer behind a more local kid. Okay. And so I said that storyline. I go, okay, why isn't this kid starting? They must be seeing something in him. So let's follow how he plays very closely today. And yeah. then I like would note big plays or big mistakes and say, well, here's where we have to bounce around. And I like that. 
So like those are I'm not gonna like explain my whole broadcast. No, no, but, but like you have to find storylines like that to build your game around. Yeah, because okay. if not, you're gonna be like, oh, and he hands it off. Right. Yeah, it's that was be a dull. nice gain, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was a really <laughs> nice gain, Nick. All right, thanks, Luke. And now they're they're in the huddle and they're 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 talking in the huddle, and it looks like they swap tight ends. And they're in the huddle, oh. and they walk up to the ball with three minutes and forty seconds to go in the first quarter. They're down by a touchdown, yeah, and they're they're I done with the see, huddle, uh, and they're in an I formation. Like you it, know, it would get old. You have to make people quick. care about the players. That's good. In, in our MU aspect too. Yeah. You know their families care. Right. But and I doubt a lot. And admittedly, I doubt a lot of people are watching an RMU football game for the hell of watching an RMU football game. But if you're a new viewer, yeah. Like you have to think, how can I make them care about these people on the field? Right, they're not your professionals. Job. You're not like, oh, I hope LeBron does well this game because I know all about him because he's all in the public eye. Right, right. You're like here's a quarterback from the sticks of Pennsylvania. Right, grew you got to make them chucking hay around on a field. Yeah, you know, you have to make them care, and so that's what I try to do. I try to make them care. There you go. I think we might have to do an interview episode sometime. Just <laughs> there you go. Keep poking. Anyone who thinks I'm stupid, go listen to that oh, portion of how I take my uh, profession and go, damn, Nick, maybe you do have a clue. That's how you prefer it. My instant opinion. Oh, yes. For Kyle Berger. Yep. Um, other than Greg Brown, who's your favorite guy in the Pirates booth? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably. Can be retired if you want to say Steve Blass. You can say retired. Yeah, it, it would probably have to be Steve Blass. I don't think Bob Walk's Bob Walk I like. I like Bob Walk. I met Walk. Bob Walk. I sat on his lap at my Make-A-Wish. Uh, is that the picture you have? Yeah, I'm on yeah. Bob Walk's lap and Greg Brown's very excitedly next to me. Yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite pictures because it's so out of context. It's like, what the hell is yeah, what, going on here? What's going on But in there? context, he's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, that was nice of them. Yeah, I'd probably go Steve Blass and uh, Bob Walk's good. That other guy, I think Neverett is his last name. Greg or no? Neil. 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 No, that guy's on Sports Center. <laughs> oh, it's the one guy. He's got glasses and like a brown beard. Yeah. I wish. Uh, yeah. Tim something. I think it might be Tim. They're all. They're all yeah, really. They're good. all good. But uh, Greg Brown's definitely like, if you go to a game and Greg Brown's doing it, or you watch it on TV and Greg Brown's doing it, it just makes it that much better. Right. You know. You know you're in for a good treat. You're- now for a bad treat. Oh, Kyle did the transition. Oh, oh, I had a sneaky one. Songs that we hate. Popular, not popular. Yeah, the, the no. weird thing was, I was trying to come with this, like, so we didn't really narrow it down. It was like songs we don't like. So could I be like Nickelback's discography? Creed's you, discography? You could. That may um, be an instant opinion question. But teaser. instead, um, I tried to do songs that I like to think people generally liked. That That's I don't like. where I went. I, I went like number one. Life is a highway by Rascal Flats. I can't stand that song. I almost wish I'd have picked it. I can't stand it either. Not even the verse it. is so weird. It's like and I'm like, I actually thought of this segment in Giant Eagle, waiting for my prescription to get it comes filled, on and this all the came time. on the radio. Uh, yeah, as a yeah, it comes on a lot. Um, do you life, want... life is a highway. Number one. Gotcha. I didn't even rank them, but that's number one. I yeah, I say I didn't rank them, but mine are probably in order. My first one, uh, "We Are Young" by I believe Fun. It's like tonight. Okay. Oh oh oh. Wait. Yeah. A, no. No, I hate it, and here's why. No. That song came out around the same time as Pumped Up Kicks, the definitively better song in general. But everybody liked We Are Young, so it was on the radio a hundred and this is back in grade school when I like I think this the, was like eighth grade. Yeah, it was like around then, back seat of the car or front seat of the car, listening to the radio with my parents, like before I could drive and control my own music, 
I, oh my gosh, I hate because everybody loved it and it was on everywhere and everyone would sing it and it, you know what I mean? It was just, it yeah. was one of those like popular songs when we were kids that just everybody loved for three weeks and then it, uh-huh. you never hear about it. But it stole Pumped Up Kicks, which is just, oh man. It's so, you can't tell me it's better than Pumped Up Kicks. I don't know. It's so I think much. some nights by fun might be better than. Oh, I I should have just said fun. I don't like their music that, what at all. What a dick! Um, oh, I, I bet you'll get flack for that. But that song is terrible. Get, we're gonna fight. Hang on. Um, my number two was anything by Bon Jovi other than Wanted Dead or Alive. Damn it! That, you, one of mine may be a Bon Jovi song. You you give love a bad name. Can't stand it. Living on a prayer. Can't stand it. They have one song that I think is really good. I don't like Wanted Dead or Alive, but I. Of the, is so it the, ba- are you going to say Bad Medicine? Yes. Because I can't stand Bad Medicine oh, either. See, that one's catchy as hell to me. See, I, 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 would s- I don't know why I don't like Bon Jovi. It's overplayed, I don't I think. know why, but I'm just like, it's it's boring. I don't know. It's I don't one, even know why. I just don't care for it. I have a Slippery when a copy of Slippery When Wet, the CD with all of those hits on it. Yeah, they're and all I was like, the same album, and they did nothing else. Exactly. In their whole career. And I was super excited to get it, and I think the thing is, is once you, it's like, oh yeah, Bon Jovi's good, and then you find any other, like, big hair band from the 80s, and you're like, the talent is so much better. Like, Motley Crue, Van Halen, yeah. like, you just, you keep getting better from Bon Jovi. That's the thing. Right. They're like, they're yeah. at the bottom of the I don't the think barrel. they're that good of a band. Right. They make catchy sing-along songs, and I don't care for them. Yeah. Except for one in Dead or Alive, because I see Sig Hansen, Captain of the Northwestern, on Deadliest Catch in the intro video <laughs> when I think of that song. See, if you can tie it to something like that, then I can understand why you like give it. Me, give me your next one. My next one. Piss me off some more with your... This one's for a very specific reason, and, and we've been through this before. It's Hell's Bells by ACDC. Oh. And here's why. You all know the opening to Hell's Bells. It's got the church bells. You know what song also has an opening church bells? For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Again, a definitively better song. So I'm in the car. I hear... And I'm oh I'm I'm already reaching to crank and then I hear that and I realize it's not for whom the bell tolls. I'm not getting in your face metal and I'm angry and it, it's it's not a bad song. It's probably one of ACDC's better ones. But when you're expecting Metallica and you get that'd be like if Back in Black sounded like one from Metallica and you're like oh I'm getting one. I got their best coming. Yeah. Nope. I get back in black, and I've heard it 3,000 times. Get me out of here. Uh, I put anything by the Dave Matthews Band. I only know... This is turning into bands I don't like as a whole. <laughs> I Dave Matthews, that, like, I can't stand him. I can't stand Dave Matthews. I don't know him well enough. I've heard that very popular song. It's probably I think it's like Ants Marching or yeah. you know, there, Funny the I, Way It Is, I maybe. I just can't stand him. Yeah, I'm hit or miss on him. I haven't listened enough to hate him, but I can tell by the way his voice is that... He could be hateable. <laughs> I have friends who really like him, but I never got into him. I chose Living on a Prayer and Don't Stop Believing for my third because, again, it's just... Do you want me... It's overplayed. I was worried about my final one, but now I'm glad you said Don't Stop Believing. Is that now, yours? Now we'll get equal flack. I was going to ask you for the instant opinion, which is the better song, Living on a Prayer or Don't Stop Believing? I think Don't Stop Believing Don't Stop Believing because at least you're like happy when you're singing right, it. Right, and it's just a feel-good... I, but I hate them both because... Don't Stop Believing is just overplayed. I don't think it's a bad song. If it's it, just it's it's, on it's all just the time. overplayed. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and shit on Journey. I think Lights is a great song. Yeah, they have really I good songs. I love Lights and the lights in this house. Uh, my number one, uh, there's going to be pitchforks outside my house tonight and flames being you oh, know, lit I'm excited on to torches. Hear it. Sweet Caroline. Whoa. 
That is not where I saw this one going. Sweet Caroline. Um, Really? I love Neil. My mom loves Neil Diamond. I grew up listening to Neil Diamond, so that might be where it's rooted. Gotcha. But in high at every sporting event at halftime or a long pause in the game you hear sweet caroline and everyone's like bum bum and i'm like it's not like it's fun but like when you hear it for the 10 millionth time and everyone else is still getting really giddy about it like it's not that good of a song (laughs) is it a fun song sure i love neil diamond he's awesome right and but this song when you hear it for the 10,000th time at a sporting event or at a party was, and everyone's still getting all excited i'm like you know what's coming you're yeah. gonna say bump bump bum and i'm gonna get annoyed because you're all drunk as shit and you're annoying me already can... and now you're all gonna scream bump bump bum at the top <laughs> of your lungs or we're at a football game we're down 30 at halftime and you're all gonna and be you're... screaming bump i'm like get out of here yeah get out of here that get excited sweet that. caroline bullcrap yeah they get excited for the wrong reasons and listen to his christmas album it's better than everything <laughs> on that damn it's better than that song That's... The, every song on his christmas album is better than sweet caroline i don't know if i know me i know cherry cherry and sweet caroline as my the big two that was a big one in high school, too, for our rallies this week. Yeah, Caroline. and I think that's where it stemmed, because all of those douchebags I didn't like were up there <laughs> just trying to hype me up with Sweet Caroline. I'm yeah. like, get out of here. I like Sweet Caroline. I have a soft spot for 60s music, so even like annoying songs from then that I don't like, I still think is better yeah. quality music than what we get today. That's where I sit on the what issue. What an episode. <laughs> yeah. What an episode. We, uh, you basically, my instant opinion was uh, Nickelback's best song and their worst song. Oh, but you kind of covered it because oh, you said you don't like them. At something all. in your mouth is their worst song. Gotcha. Um, from underneath the tree, we want. I'm a. Is it called "I'm Alive"? Oh no. Music starts at light, and we thought you'd be mine, but here we are. We're here tonight, and yeah. I'm singing hey, 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 I, I'm alive. Oh, alive I'm by Pearl Jam. No, I'm kidding. Hey, 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 man, I, if, if everyone cares, if everyone cares, I was cared, letting you get there. It. That's it. Yeah, that, you have to realize. I, yeah, no, that's their best. I, that's I like their that best song, song a lot. What, got, a, what, a, what a long episode. That was a, a good episode, though. What a spectacular episode. A spectacular episode. fifth anniversary. It's not an anniversary. Is it an anniversary? Yeah. It'd be from the first one. So the sixth episode would be the anniversary. Yeah, oh. So the we're having another spectacular. sixth anniversary. <laughs> wow. We're on our way to surpassing seven with no signs of slowing down. What a time. Uh, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. I didn't say many more games of our NBA series. I'll have to do two for the oh, next game. Oh, that's right. Um, I need a win. But yeah, I'm up to nothing on Kyle. So keep that in mind. Take care of yourselves, Kyle. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no. Thanks again for anybody listening. If you have any suggestions, you want to hear us talk. Any movie suggestions? Yeah, if yeah. it's on Netflix, so you follow, got a movie. Follow us on Twitter at HAO Podcast if Good you want to do that. This has been Have an Opinion. Our fifth episode spectacular. You've been spectacular. Ah. We'll see you next time.